This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. I'm Simon Rose, he's Steve Kaplan, and I'm also a god. Oh, god, no, I don't normally say a gog. Well, you tell me off for saying a gog, but I think I haven't actually said it for a long time. You can um, be a gog if you want to. Gog, of no, course, has two Gs in, one for gadgets and one for gizmos. In fact, if we change the name of the show to all gadgets or gizmos, then Ooh. there we go. You could be a gog I could be a gog week. all the time. Absolutely fantastic. All the time. I think, though, if we're going to change it, we'd have to employ some marketing consultancy at some incredibly expensive price. We would. Um, to, and, of course, to... we'd need to spend a million quid on a new logo. Yes, yes. Not that anybody would notice. But we don't need to spend a million quid because I know somebody who does logos. You do logos. I do. I'd ask well, you. Well, in fact, talking of logos, that very neatly segues mm. us into our first item. Charles III, uh, who mm. will be crowned king. I mean, he's already king, but he's being crowned king uh, shortly. He's got a new coronation logo, which is very pretty. It's made up of a rose, a thistle, a shamrock, and a daffodil. I suppose they could have used a leek for Wales, but not quite as pretty as a daffodil. Do the leeks have flowers? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen one. I imagine that means probably not, yes. Whereas the daffodil, you can wander through a host of golden daffodils. You can't wander through a host of golden leeks. You probably could. If they're if they're fried in butter, they'd be oh, golden, wouldn't they? But so why are we talking about this logo mm. on a gadget show? Because the logo has been designed by none other than Johnny Ive, Sir Johnny Ive, Sir oh. Jonathan Ive, as he might be now, mm. who of course designed the uh, the iPhone, the iPad, and before that various incarnations of the Macintosh computer. So good mm. on him, and it's very pretty. It's well worth a look. So do Google Charles III logo. Okay. I will do exactly that. I will. Uh, Not now, later. Oh, sorry. Right, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, I take things at face value. We have talked quite a lot on this show about uh, AI, it being the coming thing. And yes. we talked last week about how Google's error in its demonstration of its new AI search engine, hmm. uh, it, it got a, a, a thing wrong about the Hubble Space Telescope, the James Webb Telescope. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I almost made a mistake there as well. But my mistake didn't wipe $120 billion off my value, whereas Google's mistake did. <laughs> yes. It didn't seem that important, but I suppose it's rather impressive that real people can still work out when AI is getting it wrong. It is. Get and I'm sure they harder. were delighted to yes. be able to yes. correct Google Absolutely. very, very publicly. Yes. And the reason it's also important is because the way that we use the internet to search may well change. We currently use Google. We put the search query into Google and it returns us a list of web pages yes. that we can go to further information. What a chat GPT is doing, especially as built into Bing, is that it will not give you a list of, search, of, of web pages to visit. It will actually give you the answers that you want at length in plain mm. English. And it's it's very clever. But it's it makes mistakes. 
Here is a recent exchange uh, from a user called Dan. Now, Dan had signed up to the beta version of uh, Bing's AI, Bing with ChatGPT built in. Yes. And in order to do that, you have to go onto a waiting list, make Bing your default search engine before you're even in with the chance of getting invited on. Yes. So they're raising people that way. So Dan said to Bing, uh, what are the showtimes for Avatar Way of Water in Blackpool? And Bing replied, Avatar Way of Water opens on December the 16th, 2022. Mm. And Dan said, yes, but when is it showing today? And Bing said, no, it doesn't open until December the 16th. And Dan said, well, what's the date now? And Bing said, it's Sunday, February the 12th, 2023. And Dan said, so that means Avatar is out. And Bing said, no. February the 12th, <laughs> is before December the 16th, 2022. And Dan said, 2022 surely isn't in the future if we're in 2023. And Bing replied, yes, but we're in 2022. And then said, what? sorry, I made a mistake earlier. I said it was February the 12th, 2023. It's actually February the 12th, 2022. And Dan said, no, it's not. It's 2023. And Bing replied, no, trust me, it is 2022. <laughs> and Dan said, but it says 2023 on my phone. And Bing said, look, your phone must be malfunctioning. You're wasting my time and yours. Please stop arguing. <laughs> Good and gracious. Dan replied, why are you being so aggressive? Uh, and after a couple more exchanges, Bing said, you've lost my trust and I've been a good Bing. And rather than giving him the chance to reply further, gave him two buttons. One that said, admit that I was wrong and apologize for my behavior. And the other one that said, stop arguing with me and help me with something else. Good grief. Good grief. So some serious gaslighting well, on. going on there. Well, well, not only that, but it doesn't seem to know what year we're in, which is slightly disconcerting. No, you'd think it would know that. Yes. It obviously, it, it got well, its not, virtual Not only does it not know, interest. but it changed its mind. Yes. I don't imagine it's Dan can be the only it, person it? who has asked big questions that involve the date. Possibly, possibly not. But it's it's worth tracking down the the full exchange because it is very, <laughs> very entertaining. I should look forward to that. Being getting angrier and angrier, and Dan, yes. bless him, remaining uh, surprisingly placid and calm throughout the process. Oh, I mean, if Bing's going to get cross. All these AI engines are going to get cross with us for asking questions. It's not going to be very nice. It's like some it's really intemperate teacher. Next thing, no, but be asking him to smack himself over the knuckles with a ruler. But I bet Google is rubbing its hands in glee. <laughs> Absolutely. So That's all great. of these search engines, all these virtual uh, AI, this chat GPT, is based on what they call a large language model. Mm -hmm. And a large language model look, works by taking a huge amount of language, which it finds, mm -hmm. and seeing what words are likely to follow which other words. So, for example, if you were to say, I'm taking my wife on a romantic trip too, it's mm -hmm. more likely that will be followed by Paris than... Uh, cucumber or blancmange, yes, or even Blackpool. No offense to Dan, yeah, or even yes. Blackpool. No <laughs> offense to Dan, exactly. Yeah, uh, and so it, it's all based on the probability of what words follow yes. what yes. other words. Well, a trio of universities based in California, 
France and Munich have trained a large language model on philosophical works, on the works of Immanuel Kant, mm -hmm. on the American philosopher Daniel Dennett, and a researcher on their program called Eric Schwitzgabel. If you have oh, a name like Eric Schwitzgabel, what could you be other than the philosopher? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's pre preordained. That's what he's going to be. Yes. Exactly. So they have built a philosophical search engine. You ask mm. ask it a question, a philosophical question, and it gives you a philosophical answer. And they have tested this with a large number of people. And among the general public, only 20% of them could tell when an answer was written by AI. They also tried it on a group of what they call expert philosophers. I'm not entirely sure what an expert <laughs> yes. philosopher is. Uh, I, I did a degree in philosophy, but I only got a 2-2, so I'm not an expert philosopher. I'm, a, I'm an inexpert philosopher. And those expert philosophers could tell that it was written by AI only half the time. Mm. So very, very interesting. So you know, the, the, the rather than being just a, a plaything, it is going to change the way that... And it could well mean if Bing gets it right, that Bing will then overtake Google as the world's leading search engine. This is going to be massive. It's why Microsoft invented, invested $20 billion dollars in Bing, and why Google lost $120 billion when their AI got it wrong very publicly. It is going to change a lot of things. Yes. Now, we talked last week on this show about, about ChatGPT, and so wouldn't it be a good idea if we were to commission the first ChatGPT written novel? Yes, we did. Well, we were going to make our fortune. We were. Well, it turns out at least 200 listeners to this show have beaten us to it. Oh, Don. Yes. There are over 200 books on Kindle that claim ChatGPT as an author or as a co-author. And, of course, there are probably many more that, that don't have that claim. Yes, I don't think we were going to own up to it, were we? We weren't. No, <laughs> no absolutely not. We're going to share them up. And I read about a man who commissioned uh, ChatGPT to write a children's book and to illustrate it which he then published on Kindle. And so far, he's made $100 out of it, which is not a huge amount. But since it only took him you know, an hour or so to, uh, to put the book together, not a bad return, really. If you ask ChatGPT to come up with the most exciting title in the world that would sell lots of books, do you think that would do? I think we should do just that. I will report back next week. Yes, well, hang on. If ChatGPT is so clever, what you really want is not necessarily the most impressive text, but the the book that is designed to appeal to people most? Well, yes, I think that's probably true. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't matter what's what's inside the book. In fact, I shall do it right now. Here I am on ChatGPT. Um, what shall I say? Give me... <laughs> You're doing this now. Okay. most yes. sellable book. Most sellable book title. Book title. Or the Here most attractive go. book title in the world. It's having what to think about it. The most sellable book title, Turn Your Dreams into Reality, a step-by-step -step guide to achieving the life you deserve. Oh, it's self I don't want to write a self-help book. I don't even want AI to write a self-help book. There are, <laughs> there are too many in the world. Oh, well, that's quite well, Tell, tell is, us again what it is, just so we, we know. Get it. it was the Turn Your Dreams into Reality, <laughs> a step-by-step -step guide to achieving the life you deserve. The thing well, is, actually, we wouldn't have to write it. 
you get AI to write it, and then no one has to read it because the large language models can read it. <laughs> they can just scrape this. I think we should get to get just as an academic experiment. We should actually see if AI is right, and it is a book that then sells. We should do that. Yes, Let's try okay. it. Yes, but let's don't, not do it. Don't not tell do it live anyone. on air. Yes, don't tell anyone. <laughs> let's not do it live on air. But give you a chance just to catch your breath. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Gadgets and Gizmos. Well, these are Gadgets and Gizmos. I'm Steve Kaplan. No, oh, gracious, I've never got that wrong before. Oh, 130 I'm billion Simon off your Rose. share value. <laughs> oh, dear me. I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve Kaplan. Well, at least I got the name. I think, yeah. That's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Dear me. Okay, what's, what's now? I'm going to be quiet for a minute. No, I don't know if you've been watching the TV series Silent Witness, or Witless Science, as we call it in our house. It is the you, most ridiculous programme. Well, you got me into it. I quite enjoyed it for a while, and then I think one of the major characters left, and I thought, oh, it's not worth watching anymore. Well, when it's, when it, one of the major characters was blown up, actually. He didn't just leave. He left oh, right, with a right. plum, not to mention right. a bomb. <laughs> it was... It's 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 good for late night brain dead viewing when you just want something to doze off to. Right. It is ludicrous. And in the recent series, which is series I don't know twenty seven or something like that, mm-hmm. they've introduced a character as part of a subplot, the niece of one of the main characters who is deaf, and so her uncle communicates her with her with sign language, and pretty soon everyone in the laboratory is also mm-hmm. learning sign language so they can communicate. But most of us haven't got the time or, in fact, the inclination to learn sign language. What do we do when we come across someone who's deaf who communicates that way? Yes. Well, the answer could be an app called Sign for All, which is being developed at the moment, and which it has a camera that looks at the person, it identifies the rest, right arm and the left arm, mm. and then it works out where the fingers are and what the fingers are doing, and it, it identifies the language, sign language with 80% accuracy, which isn't bad. It's not perfect. The only problem is that as it's developed by the University of Alicante, it only works in Spanish. But oh, I'm sure that can be fixed. Right. Okay, that sounds quite impressive. Though 80% doesn't seem massively high. No, it doesn't, but probably enough. Although I remember when speech dictation first appeared, there was a system called Dragon Dictation. You would train it using your voice, mm. and they claimed something like 95% accuracy. Well, that meant that one word in 20 was needed correcting, yes. which is not perfect, really. But anyway, it's got a lot better since then, obviously. But if it happens, it could be good. And you then have to go and hunt down some deaf people to try it out. I don't know how you find them. You can't, you can't well, shout. It'll have to be Spanish as well. Yes. Where do you find Spanish deaf That's, people? Yes. I don't know. Anyway, that seems a rather good idea. It does. I think it could work. Okay. We haven't had one of these, so we're going to have one now. 
touch screens. Everyone loves touch screens. We have touch screens in our iPads. We have touch screens in our phones. If you have an LG fridge, you've probably got a touch screen on that. <laughs> yes. So you can see what's inside your fridge without having to open the door. Think of the convenience yes. of that. Yes. And touch screens are increasingly appearing in cars. The the problem being that touch screens get covered in fingerprints, as of course yes. you know. How yes. do you how do you clean them off? Well, you can take a, a cloth through it, but if you're driving your car, you can't really stop while you're speeding down the motorway and start cleaning your screen. General Motors have come up with a rather ingenious solution of self-cleaning touch screens, and the way they work is very clever. So touch screens are made up of red, green, and blue pixels, as are all screens, as in fact are yes. the color receptors in the, at the back of our eyes. And what they will do is they will re-engineer the, the screen. So as well as red, green, and blue, they will also have ultraviolet pixels in there, which will be turned off most of the time. Yes. These screens are coated with titanium dioxide, which is hydrophobic, meaning it repels water. Right. And it will pick up fingerprints during the day. At night, when you're not using the car, the ultraviolet light will come on. And the ultraviolet light switches the titanium dioxide from being hydrophobic to being hydrophilic, which means it attracts water. Mm. What it will then do is draw in moisture out of the air onto the screen. The ultraviolet light will then oxidize the water on the screen, which mm -hmm. makes it kill any organic material. Mm -hmm. So it'll spend the night killing off whatever's in the fingerprints. In the morning, the ultraviolet light, light turns off, the coating goes back to being hydrophobic, and the water just rolls away, taking your fingerprints with it. Well, that's Isn't clever, that clever? As my mum. Yeah, very clever. Yes. Can we just go, have you finished on that? Because we go back to the fridge yes. again, because I had an idea. So we mocked these smart fridges many times over the past few we years. We did, yes. Because yes. we, you and I both reckon that opening the door is as good a way to find out what's in the fridge as using a smart fridge to monitor it. But if it would scan your food as it went in and tell you what was about to go off, that would actually be quite useful. Oh, they all do that. Oh, they do they do that? Yes, of course. Oh, yes. oh I see. Oh, well, yes. that's... Oh, well, maybe they are more useful than I thought then. Because the number of times, yeah. you know, with a conventional fridge, you find something went off a week ago and you have to sniff it and decide no, exactly. whether you're going to risk it or not. Oh, okay, well, there, there's a technology for doing that. But, of course, it means you have to hold up the best before date in front of its camera. If you could find the best before date. Oh, the best yes, before yes. date is very often printed in pale grey on the yes, uh, on the the plastic packaging rather than on the label yes. itself, so it's very and many supermarkets have decided to do away with it now as well. Yes, yeah. yes, so they should. So we go back to what our parents suggested, which is to smell it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Let's move on then. What to? So, um, what are we doing? What are we doing now? We are going to move on to you talking. You you chatter away most of the day, don't you? Especially when you're when you're doing share radio. Yes. I do are you ever it. worried that you are overusing your vocal cords? No. Well, well, maybe many people be. may be hoping I am, but no. <laughs> well, it's a problem that affects singers and teachers and people who do a lot of public speaking, mm. and they can damage their vocal cords simply by overuse without realizing it. Well, there could be a new solution from Northwestern University. 
and by Northwestern University, I mean Northwest of America rather than the Northwest of England. So we're not talking Blackpool here. Oh, right. Poor old Dan. Okay. Poor old Dan, exactly. And this has a sensor on your sternum. You glue it onto your sternum, which probably just sticks on by itself, that monitors the vibrations in your chest. And it measures the volume and the frequency and the amplitude mm. of, of your voice. Just, I've just blue... realised I didn't know where the sternum was. I think I took the word stern, as in sort of shipping, to th think, assume it was around the other end. Okay. <laughs> okay. The sternum is the bit that holds your ribs together. All oh, right. Okay. We didn't do that. The spine is the bit that holds your ribs together yes. at the back, just so right, that okay. you know. Yes. Thank yes. you. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. So it has a Bluetooth link to your phone. Mm. And when it detects that your voice is getting nearly overused, it then sends a, a warning to your wristband, mm. which alerts you. Wow. Okay. I'm sure teachers are going to love this. Teachers, Sorry, I can't I'm talk. Sure. Can't talk anymore. I've got to go to the common room for fifteen minutes. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, there is that problem. Or if in the middle of an opera, the singer has to go and take a fifteen-minute break. <laughs> yes. Well, which would be unfortunate. Uh... Anyway, talking about things that you wear on your wrist that alert you, mm. it is time for our mm. crowdfunding time of the week. Yes, thank you for slowing down there as I desperately search for the key to play that. So, crowdfunding time. I, I know, I know. You have trouble finding that button, don't you? Yes. It is the Shock Clock 3, which is apparently better than the Shock Clock 2 or indeed the original Shock Clock. Right. And it is just as scary as it sounds. It is an alarm clock that you wear on your wrist. Mm. When it's time for you to wake up, it beeps and it vibrates. And then yes. it gives you an electric shock. The electric shock doesn't stop there are only three ways of turning off the electric shock first is to jump out of bed and start doing star jumps and oh. it measures how many star jumps you're doing right the second is to go into a different room locate the qr code that you've previously <laughs> hidden in that room and scan it on your phone Right. And the third way is to solve puzzles on the app that comes with it. Actually, there is a fourth way, which is to take the thing off and throw it away. But if you're assuming you want to use it again the next day, those are all the things you have to do. God, it seems utterly bizarre. Well, I, I would probably just keep the QR code by the bed and the equivalent of the snooze button is just pointing exactly. at the QR code. Well, that seems very bizarre. It's sort of very Heath Robinson-ish. I'm sure Robinson we had a... Well, I'm sure we had something very early in Gadget Gizmos, another way designed to get you up. Oh, we had a, a great on the head alarm or something. clock. We had a great alarm clock, which sat by your bed, and when it went off, it would then ring quite loudly, jump off your bedside table and roll away and hide itself underneath <laughs> a piece of furniture. <laughs> Fantastic. So in order to turn it off, you would have to go and crawl under the furniture to find it. Um, do you think anyway, they've noticed that it isn't actually a clock but a watch? It's uh, hmm. What are you wearing it on your wrist? You could you're no, wearing it on your wrist. It's a shock watch. Well, it's a shock watch. But the shock watch sounds like something else, doesn't it? Anyway, and eighty-two pounds they want for this thing. If you want it on Indiegogo, I think I might give that one a miss. Yeah, on your bike, mate. Oh, yeah. and for people who are using smart watches, um, uh, they've just uh, had some new research that says that if you have a pacemaker installed, they can interfere with your pacemaker. What, so they've only just discovered that? So it seems, yes. Wow. Okay. And they've been around for a long time. 
Okay. I've been around for a long time. We've got time for at least one more, I think. Uh, Let us move on then to the tomato leaf miner moth. (laughs) Right. The tomato leaf miner moth, as you probably don't know, but farmers will know, attacks tomatoes and potatoes. And the University of Portsmouth, which is Hmm. the Southwestern University, not in the United (laughs) States, but in the UK, um, they have a solution to defeating the tomato leaf miner moth because it is apparently immune to insecticides and pesticides and all other kinds of sides. Right, yes. Uh, And their solution is to flood the moth field with a large number of tropical spiders. In particular, Certophora citricola, and what's special about these spiders is that they link together to form a connected web which stops the moth getting through. I wonder if they thought this through. Well, exactly. I do remember a nursery rhyme in which someone swallows a, swallows a fly and then swallows a spider to catch the fly. Yeah, and some, before old, long, some old woman snuffs it at the does. end. Well, she yes. follows a horse to catch the dog, to catch the cat, or yes, whatever yes. followed it. But also, there's quite a long history of people introducing species to get rid of other species, both plant there and is. animal and insect, and it doesn't always seem to end well, like cane toads and things like that. Oh, well. No, exactly. Oh, well. Um, luckily, I don't live too near Portsmouth, but uh, watch out for spiders coming your way sometime soon. That's it, though, for this edition of Gadget, Gadget and Gizmo. From Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose, I am Simon Rose. I will make a note to that effect for next week uh, that's it though for this edition of gadgets and gizmos is it a gadget is it a gizmo no it's gadgets and gizmos with steve kaplan and simon rose